Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. It is recorded in the Gospels on many occasions that Jesus, while teaching or narrating a parable, would say, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. But the truth, sadly, is that so often, while hearing, we read in another place, they do not hear and they do not understand. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. He also told the disciples when they were sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom that if they will not hear your words, Shake the dust off your feet and leave that place. In the scriptures, the inability to hear, both literally and figuratively, it's a sign, an archetype, an arc sign of the hardness of heart of man caused by sin. The inability to hear is essentially to be in a place of darkness, to be void of the presence, the knowledge the intimate, personal knowledge of God. It's to be cut off from the life of God. That's what this means in the Bible, when we can't hear, when we don't have ears to hear, when we're dull of understanding. It is to lack the knowledge of God. And when we lack the knowledge of God, being in that place of darkness, that place of unknowing, it's also depicted in the scriptures as the place of wandering, wandering in the desert. So, Cain was banished to the land of Nod, which was the land of wandering. It's that place of meaninglessness, that sense of groping about in the wilderness, sort of going in circles. All can relate to that at certain times in our life. To the contrary, Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. (laughs) So we have those who do not hear, who do not understand, who are in the darkness, and we have those who have ears to hear, the sheep of Christ, who hear his voice. And because they hear his voice, he knows them. Interesting way to put it. Because they hear his voice, he knows them, and they follow him. Deafness, in the scriptures, is an archetypical condition of man lost in sin and separated from God. And the accompanying deformity of deafness is the inability to speak. So we can't hear and we can't speak. One who is deaf cannot speak because the word of God, the logos, the reason, the sensibility of truth and meaning in life is missing. So they have nothing to say. Paul says, I believe, therefore I speak. 
There's nothing to declare, nothing to believe. There's nothing there. There's emptiness. So one who's deaf can't speak because they're being pulled in this image. They're being pulled towards an abyss of nothingness, away from the fullness of being in life. We think immediately here our mind should return to the creation story. There's this return to the darkness and chaos that we read about in the beginning before the Holy Spirit was hovering over, over the tohu bohu, the darkness and the deep. The Spirit was bringing order and reason to this primordial soup. In our Gospel lesson this morning, Mark dramatically tells us, and it's very dramatic, we're not going to exegete the passage, but if we did go through it very carefully, word by word, we would see how much drama Mark uses to tell this story. It's heightened drama in the way that he tells it. But he tells the story of Jesus healing a deaf mute. It's a sign miracle. It's a sign miracle, showing us how Christ has come to heal mankind of his inability to know God, his ignorance, by restoring his hearing, and that through all of this, the word, the logos, comes to abide within man. Now, when we think about the relationship between hearing and speaking, um, these two things, kind of like the chicken and the egg, <laughs> you know, you're not sure which one causes the other one. They flow back and forth into one another. Sometimes a person has no word because they can't hear, but sometimes they cannot hear because they can't understand what they're saying. Because their word has become muddled or confused. We immediately think of the Tower of Babel. Now, when communication breaks down due to the failure of a common, coherent language, the result is disorder. The whole breaks apart. Fractures. There's a breakdown of the group, the family. The house is divided, laid waste. So the inability to communicate because of the inability to either hear or to speak coherently breaks communion. When you think about it, at the very base of communion is communication. There's a reciprocity, there's a giving and receiving between two different beings, or more than two different beings. To hear is to receive. To speak is to give. If we can't hear one another, or if we can't speak words that can be heard, fruitful words of life, there can be no communion. Listen to today's introits. Interesting in the light of, of these things and of this sign miracle. It says, God is in his holy habitation. God is in his holy habitation. Got me to thinking, in the light of some of these things that I'm saying, what is God's habitation? You know, we think of the heavens, we think of a place. You know, God is everywhere, but he is also somewhere. And we start to contemplate this idea of God being in his holy habitation. Whatever else that means, it certainly must mean a habitation is a place, an orderly, coherent place, a reality of relations, a house, you know, you think of a communion of persons, a harmonious communion of persons. I think God's habitation certainly, certainly is the communion of persons. 
and of his divine counsel, of the angels and of the saints, the great cloud of witnesses. This is his habitation. He says, I will come and make my habitation with you. The habitation of God is this place of communion, of persons. Now when man got so wicked, you know, in ancient times, this holy communion was what, or this communion, uh, this false wicked communion actually, was what God destroyed at Babel. It had become not a holy communion, not an assembly of, of goodness, but a synagogue of Satan, an assembly of evil. A communion of wickedness. And God had to destroy it. He had to destroy it because he was going to recreate it. But in order to recreate, he first has to destroy. That's another pattern that shows up in our life again and again. Sometimes God has to tear things down before he can build them back up. And so he was going to build up a new holy house. So back to our introit. God is in his holy habitation. It is he that hath, that maketh brethren to be of one mind in a house. That's maybe where I got that definition of habitation. It is brethren who are of one mind in a house. That's the communion of persons. That is God's holy habitation. They are of one mind because they hear and they speak the same word. To be of one mind, to speak the same word, to understand one another is to be in a house together, which is to be in communion, one with another. And what is the result of this? The result, as our introit also tells us, the result is power. Power and dominion. What God gave Adam in the beginning, and what he took away from humanity when he destroyed the Tower of Babel. When he restores that communion through hearing and speaking to mankind, he restores that power and dominion. We can hear one another, and we can hear God, and we can come back together and be of one mind, and God gives us back what he destroyed at Babel. He will give the dominion and preeminence unto his people. Our introit concludes. To be a family, to be together in communion in the holy house of God, is to be in a place of power where we have dominion over our enemies. And uh, Introit reinforces this in the last line, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. The enemies are those that would break apart the house of God's people, that would fracture and destroy this beautiful communion and union of souls. Now, this is all effectively achieved in every single one of us here this morning through our baptism. Through our baptism, we have been given new ears. We have been given ears to hear. And this is actually interestingly signified when the priest touches the ears of the one being baptized and says the very same thing. The line is taken from this passage in Mark, this is the only time this, this is not mentioned in Luke or Matthew, by the way, this miracle. It's just Mark. And the priest says, Ephatha, be opened at baptism. Calling to mind this very story about our ability now to know God because we can hear God. And now we can speak the word because we've received the word. 
The ears which have been stopped due to sin have been opened. And the word has been planted in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we've been brought into the house of God and been made of one mind with Christ and his brethren. But, as we all know, that's objectively true for every one of us. But as we all know, we still struggle in this body of sin, and we still wrestle against spiritual powers who are still trying to confuse our speech and hinder our hearing. And often we do not hear. And often we do not have the word in our hearts. And often there is confusion and chaos, which results in a lack of unity. Sometimes we can't hear one another. Sometimes we can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit within our own hearts. And when that's true, we cannot be of one mind in the house of God. And when this happens, it is always solely and chiefly the work of the enemy. Christ says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's hear Christ saying that to us today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears, that's rhetorical. Who has ears? Every single one of us has ears. He's not saying, do you have ears? Well, some of you do and some of you don't. We receive the ears to hear in our baptism. It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, he who has, he's saying, you have ears, start listening. That's what he's saying in that question. It's rhetorical. Listen with the ears that you've received. He's speaking to all of us. And we have to be careful and attentive to hear, to listen carefully to the word of God that comes to us in a still, small voice in our own hearts, that comes to us from the Scriptures, that comes to us through our brothers and sisters who are speaking. And we must listen carefully, attentively, to hear the word of the Lord, that we might be of one mind in the house. We laugh sometimes about how dull of hearing we are. We all know, you know, that we, we can say things. We can say the truth. We can speak the truth to one another. And it's just, you know, in one ear and out the other. It kind of goes over our heads. We laugh about it. We make jokes about it. But in reality, this causes us a lot of trouble in life. It causes a lot of confusion, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of hurt amongst one another. I mean, the things, I suppose, that keep us from being able to hear are chiefly a lack of humility, pride, trying to get our own way, defend our position. We're unable to hear when we're in that place. Anger or bitterness clouds our ability to hear. Worldliness, you know, being enraptured by temporal things that clouds our ability to hear. Lots of different things make us unable to hear one another, unable to hear the Holy Spirit and God. We joke about it. It causes a lot of trouble. 
What would it be like if we just started listening to one another, to God? Just the simple act of listening. Very, very carefully. Sometimes the word of the Lord comes to us and it is so simple. Sometimes it's a single word. A sentence. It can be so simple and so life-changing and life-altering. Let's commit. I'll ask you, let's work on this. Let's work on listening. Slowing down and listening. Putting ourselves in a position to hear. To hear God. And very often, God speaks to us through one another. So let's hear one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.